This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly Mad Splainers feature. I'm podcast producer Natalie Yar, and each week I sit down with the reporter behind our latest cover story to find out why it matters. Today I'm here with Parker Shore, the public policy fellow for the Cap Times. Welcome, Parker. Hi, Natalie. So this is your first time on the podcast, though you've been with the Cap Times for a little while now. Your job's kind of unique. Can you just tell us a little about it? So my role is a collaborative role between the Cap Times and Wisconsin Watch, which is a nonprofit news organization based in Madison. I do a lot of collaboration with other journalists, and I get investigative support from Wisconsin Watch and the editors there. And we distribute our stories for free to news outlets across the state and across the nation. And uh, with this latest story, I collaborated with a reporter at Wisconsin Public Radio, Bram Sable-Smith. And tell me about that latest story. You were looking at some new algorithms hospitals are using to cut labor costs? Right. So we started getting tips from nurses at St. Mary's Hospital in Madison about what they believe to be unsafe staffing. And then less than a week later, the nurses at UW Health announced that they were unionizing primarily over these same issues of unsafe staffing. So we were talking with nurses at both hospitals in Madison as well as technicians and doctors at St. Mary's. And there were a lot of similarities in their experiences. And one of these similarities that we were not expecting to uncover was this sort of focus on productivity becoming more and more productive. And these labor tools used by the hospitals and implemented by outside consulting groups that really drove a lot of these staffing changes and a lot of these productivity changes. And why are the nurses concerned about this? The nurses are concerned about unsafe staffing levels caused by these tools. There's a lot of research that shows that increased nurse-to-patient ratio, so the more patients a nurse has, the worse outcomes they have at a certain point. And these, these can result in increased mortality, increased adverse events like falls and pressure ulcers. And so we were hearing a lot of anecdotal evidence from nurses and other staff at these hospitals about the impact that short staffing has on patient care. And at our local hospitals, what does this staffing shortage actually look like in terms of consequences? So we talked with more than a dozen nurses and technicians at St. Mary's alone, and then we talked with a a bunch of other nurses at UW Health. Most had some sort of anecdote that showed that staffing actually does impact patient care. So at St. Mary's, we heard a story of an experienced nurse taking over for an inexperienced nurse after a, a night shift. The inexperienced nurse had been tending to six patients that night, which the experienced nurse said was too many for an experienced nurse, way too many for an inexperienced nurse. And two of the patients were confused and one had garbled language and the experienced nurse was wondering why this was happening because the day before they were totally fine. And the inexperienced nurse didn't really know, didn't have time and left. It turned out that the inexperienced nurse had had missed signs of stroke in both of these patients. So both these stations Patients had strokes overnight, had gone unnoticed, and only until the experienced nurse came the next morning that they realized that that had happened. And the nurse wasn't blaming the inexperienced nurse. They were saying the nurse had way too many patients, and they missed out on having the time with the patients where they might have been able to tease out why this was happening and really pay attention to their patients. 
Instead, we hear that they're running all around all the time from patient to patient, that it's more of a uh, an assembly line than it is something where it's, you know, person-to-person caregiving. And, and they say that it's really lost, nursing has really lost why they got into it in the first place, which was to deliver care, to have that human connection. And they say that's all been erased at these hospitals. And you wrote that this shortage is causing some nurses to not want to stay in their jobs, right? Is there a feedback loop going on here? A lot of nurses are, it seems, leaving these hospitals. There's a a fair bit of turnover. And I would imagine that there is a feedback loop there of less nurses and less people being hired, the worst conditions causing more nurses to leave. Some nurses that are being hired, or most nurses that are being hired, are new nurses. They're being brought in with little experience and thrown into positions that they probably shouldn't be in, the nurses say. There's a group of nurses, for instance, at St. Mary's called resource pool nurses. These are typically experienced nurses. They fill in where there's short-staffed positions in departments, so they kind of float around the hospitals. At UW Health, they're called float nurses. And these are typically experienced nurses because it's it requires a lot of knowledge about a bunch of different departments and things that you just don't have within even a few years of working in a hospital. And at St. Mary's now, according to one nurse who's a resource pool nurse, most of these nurses that are being hired now for these positions are brand new out of school. For the resource pool? Yeah. Fascinating. So what are the hospitals saying about why they're looking to cut labor costs and why now? On the whole, hospital executives agree that labor costs are the greatest threat to their financial health. Labor costs do typically make up 40%, 50%, or even more of a hospital's total expenses. So they're a a prime target for cutting and possibly for good reason. And why now? Hospitals say they are experiencing increasing numbers of Medicare and Medicaid patients, which pay less than private insurance. That's the problem that's happening at rural hospitals where they have a disproportionate number of these, and that's sending a lot of these hospitals out of business. That's not happening in mass at urban hospitals and large hospitals in cities, but that's sort of a similar pressure. They also say that rising costs of pharmaceuticals and supplies are additional pressures. And to be fair, hospitals are trying to address those issues as well. They're doing group purchasing for pharmaceuticals. And at UW Health, they're changing some of the supplies, some of them to a lesser quality, nurses say. But they're also trying to target these other costs to improve their margins. And where did these algorithms come from? So these are often brought into hospitals from outside consulting groups. At St. Mary's, it was Premier Inc. They're one of the leading healthcare uh, consulting groups in the nation. They consult and act in a variety of functions to improve costs, improve quality for thousands of hospitals across the nation. At UW Health, it was a company called Prism Consulting. So these companies bring in their, their models that they've developed over time and implement them in the hospital. And yet the, the nurses really didn't have much interaction with these consultants. It seemed that these were implemented sort of without their knowledge or input, and sort of that's how the staffing models are now dictated by these tools as opposed to the nurses who might have had a more of a voice in staffing before. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. 
So tell me more about how hospitals are calculating these staffing needs. So it's not totally clear how they calculate these staffing figures. Um, St. Mary's and Premier both denied our request to interview them about these, citing, at least in St. Mary's case, that these were proprietary models and that they wouldn't divulge that publicly. What we do know from interviews with nurses and other staff is that they enter in how many patients they have and the severity of their health needs, the acuity of the patient, in other words, and it pops out a number of how many staff they're allowed in a given day. And what we also know is that, at least from the experiences of nurses, is that the, this number does not adequately staff the units that they're working on. And is this a national trend? It appears that this is a national trend. A recent study done at UCLA found that 70% of hospitals in the nation use some form of manufacturing model. So this could be lean, which is the model developed from Toyota manufacturing model. It's sort of a way to reduce waste. That's the main thing that it's trying to do. But lean proponents say that these models often implemented in hospitals are not maturely implemented. They're not correctly implemented. And they're basically... These models are applied in ways that are simply used to cut costs and, and cut staff, even when what they think is it's unsafe levels. And how have nurses in Wisconsin been pushing back? So the main way that they're pushing back, at least at UW Health, is the nurses are unionizing. So they announced late last year that they had signed a majority of nurses to unionize again. They had lost their union because of Act 10, a 2011 law that severely restricted the rights and powers of of unions in Wisconsin. And they lost their union. It dissolved in 2014. And that's really when they started seeing these changes happen, when they no longer had a voice, as much of a voice in staffing as they did in the past. I spoke with Sherry Signer, a veteran nurse of 17 years at University of Wisconsin Hospital. And she described a, a shift in the culture at UW Hospital. It really was. You were respected it was a team environment. We were a group. We we all had one common goal, and that was for the best patient care, all the way up to the CEO. There's been a very big shift in culture, and um, we definitely do not feel respected anymore. It's gone from being a profession to being a job and feeling as if you don't have a voice and that you aren't respected as to what your thoughts are. I also spoke with Mariah Clark, an emergency department nurse who has worked at University of Wisconsin Hospital for 12 years. She told me why the nurses there thought it was necessary to organize. Like, I work in the emergency department. Our doors never close. We can have every room full, every bed full, and we still have people walking in, people arriving by ambulance, people arriving by helicopter. And because we are one of the two highest level hospitals in the state, we have to take everybody. We can handle the things that other hospitals maybe don't have the resources to handle. But that also means that in the ED, we can be very, very overcrowded. We can have patients in hallways, have patients in chairs. So situations like that are, again, is one of the things we're fighting against is is to have a better ability to provide the quality patient care that we're known for. So they've been pushing and agitating for the hospital to to recognize their union. And the hospital so far has refused to do so, citing the law, saying that they aren't allowed to recognize their union. The nurses disagree with this. What did the nurses say about what could happen? 
So the nurses say the the hospital could voluntarily recognize our union and do what is called a meet and confer process, which doesn't have the legal backing of collective bargaining, which is how unions typically bargain. But both the nurses and the hospital agree that the the hospital cannot collectively bargain with the nurses union. And the hospital still says they can't do that. And you saw this push for the union playing out at a, a recent meeting you went to. Yes, on February 27th, the UW Hospital and Clinic's Authority Board had a meeting. and It was a third one that the nurses showed up to to demand that, that the hospital recognize their union. This time, though, they brought along hundreds of supporters uh, who chanted, who argued and talked back to the, the board, and who eventually broke out in, in song after the, the board had gone into a closed session. Later, the the board released a statement saying that they wouldn't recognize their union, saying that they couldn't, by law, recognize their union, and the nurses still say that they can. And on a national scale, what does the pushback look like there? So nurses in a half dozen or so other states have striked or are currently on strike in the past year alone, primarily over these very similar staffing concerns. And we heard from nurses in other states that these lean models, that these productivity models are really also at the core of their complaints too. And some states have passed laws requiring certain nurse-to-patient ratios. California is the only state that has a mandated nurse-to-patient ratio set by law, but other states have laws that require the hospitals to collaborate with nurses on staffing models. But that doesn't exist in Wisconsin? No. So what was surprising to you as you reported this story? The thing that surprised me most was that these labor productivity models and these manufacturing models that I've heard have been applied at places like Amazon and on manufacturing lines were being applied to something as seemingly antithetical to those industries as healthcare, which seems very person-to-person, that nurses are involved in caregiving, not producing a product. It's also surprising that this isn't just happening at two hospitals in Madison, but at hospitals across the nation. And why was this story important to you? I felt it was important to listen to nurses and technicians and doctors who felt that their voices had been lost in caregiving, and they feel powerless right now. And I felt it was important to listen to them and really take serious their complaints. I think the main thing that the nurses are complaining about at both hospitals is a loss of power in the hospital. They're no longer involved in staffing decisions, even though they might have councils or things that they can sit in on that can address some of these things. Nothing really changes when they bring these concerns up to administration. They want to be involved in staffing the hospital. They feel they have the best knowledge and experience of that being frontline caregivers and that these tools, these algorithms, these manufacturing models have replaced their voices in the hospital. And what developments are you watching for next in this story? I think it'll be really interesting to see where the UW health nurses go next. They've gone to three UW hospital and clinics authority board meetings and at all three of them, even in this latest one where there were A lot of supporters showed up. There was chanting. There was arguing. There was a lot of energy and emotion there. The hospital still refused to recognize the union, citing Act 10. 
So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here and what the hospital decides to do. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Parker. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Parker Shore, who spends his days investigating issues of statewide interest for the Cap Times and Wisconsin Watch. Tune in next week for an interview with K-12 education reporter Scott Gerard. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to The Madsplainers on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you do your listening. And leave us a review while you're there. Also, be sure to check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, all about food and drink in Madison, and Wedge Issues, all about state politics. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.